0: Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, going to be joined by Michelle Montaigne of KTUL Postal Channel 8 as we will get Michelle's take on what's going on with Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, get her thoughts on what's happening in the Big 12 Conference. Also going to talk some uh, soccer, some MLS, and uh, about the Oklahoma City Thunder as well with Michelle when when she joins us making her debut on the Jones sport coming up later on. Plus, we'll have our Big 12 breakdown, a comprehensive look around the Big 12 conference, a big week for the league with a new TV contract and rumors of Gonzaga possibly joining the conference. Also, we will have Coach Bo's football fix presented by O'Connor Advisory Group as well as our Tom Fullery story of the week as well, coming up at the end of today's show. And uh, glad to have you with us, folks. Uh, so much to uh, discuss here. Uh, and we'll begin with our, our look around the NFL here in uh, just one second. But, uh, man, I, I hope you guys are doing well. I, I enjoyed myself this weekend to stay back here in Dallas. And uh, I uh, was watching some uh, plenty of college football a lot of NFL this weekend. I was out uh, watching uh, even the Thunder game Saturday night against the Mavs. And I got to tell you, as a Thunder fan, it was nice being in a bar full of Mavs fans, seeing the Thunder come back and win that game. That, that had a little, extra, a little extra feel to it. So that was good. Uh, I, I'll be lying if I said I did not enjoy having that moment of sorts uh, to – uh, kind of rub it in a little bit to those Mavs fans. But nonetheless, you know, Mavs fans are are, are good. I don't have anything against the Mavs, uh, personally. Don't, I'm not a fan of the Mavs either. don't have anything against them. But anytime your team wins and you're kind of on the outside, it feels a little uh, feel extra. By the way, too, um, Bill Self, four-game suspension. Uh, I, I got to say, I know that we're not spending a whole lot of time talking college basketball these days. Uh, you know, for most people, college basketball doesn't start till January, but I-, I would just like to take the moment to say, uh, Bill Self, what a way to show accountability, right? I mean, Bill Self going to take that four game suspension and, you know, he- he's going to take it in stride and the loss of the scholarships, that thing is always like, I thought was ridiculous because it trickles down. And at the end of the day, somebody's not going to get to go play college basketball, not going to get to go to college because scholarships were taken away, you know, from Kansas. Um, but can we, for for goodness' sakes, please just get this FBI investigation over with already, or or the NCAA's look into KU's FBI situation here? I mean, this has gone on way too long. Um, you Kansas with these self-imposed penalties, the recruiting restrictions, and all that they put on. Um, just get over with. It's you know it's ridiculous. It's been five years since the FBI got involved and was investigating the sport of college basketball and its connections to Adidas and everything that went on there. So I am just done. So done with this and ready to move on uh bill self's got a lifetime contract he's gonna be at kansas forever these four games will pass by he won't coach the duke game and hopefully this will be the end of that then everyone's okay bill self is innocent free bill self free bill self let's begin that campaign to free bill self uh as far as i'm concerned but nonetheless uh folks where we will begin today uh i want to start In the uh, the National Football League. And, man, the trade deadline was just hectic. I mean, so many moves. And usually around the trade deadline, we only see maybe three or four. And, goodness, there was, what, ten? And, you know, some some shapeshifter-type moves. And... I got to tell you, one of the things that I appreciated, the thing that I liked most, just as a fan of the game, as I'm wearing my Rob Lowe NFL hat, is that some of these good teams who were already looking good got aggressive to get even just a little bit better. Kansas City going out and getting Kadarius Tony, Just seeing if he can work out potentially, um, you know, the, the Ravens getting Roquan Smith, the Ravens already a good football team, got some good young pieces on that defense. And they say, you know what? Let's try to do a little bit more. Okay. Um, you know, the, the Eagles with, with what they did, you know, the, uh, the Eagles in their trade that they made at the trade deadline, um well, was just phenomenal. I mean, to get Robert Quinn, a team that was already with the best record in the league, undefeated, and they take a player Robert Quinn's caliber and give up a day three pick. That that to me, I appreciate. It. I mean, even the Vikings, the Vikings take a guy within their own division. And TJ Hawkinson. Already a good football team. And they got a lot better adding in a top 10 tight end in TJ Hawkinson. I liked it. Uh, I mean, you know, the 49ers, that was a team that needed to do something because they had not been playing good. But I, I love seeing good teams get even better and take those chances to say, you know what? We're in it to win it. And you know, kind of taking a step back a bit, this is kind of what I, I think of, folks. You know, we have spent so much time, time, focus, energy, on looking at, you know, like the NBA, and even the NFL to some extent, of all this tanking, and these teams trying to lose, and focusing on draft picks, and and, and all that. I mean, you know the story. To me, it was it was cool to see just so many teams being aggressive and saying, you know, not today. We're not giving up. We're trying to do everything that we can to make ourselves better. And to look at your roster and say, let's do our due diligence. Is there something we can do to make ourselves better in this way or another? And that's what we saw. And then you had your other typical teams like the Packers who – you know, do that song and dance where you think, okay, this might be the year they make a move. This might be it. And they don't do it. Or the Cowboys have, okay, they look good. Probably need another piece or two. What are they going to do? And they do nothing. There were some things that were par for the course. But you know what? I mean, as just a fan of the game, when you have balls, when you're willing to say, you know what? Let's try something. Let's be aggressive. Let's go do it. I love that. I personally love that. I mean, we saw the last couple years, the Bucs with the Rams. These teams get aggressive. You have to do something. And here we are now. And these teams getting aggressive here. I respect that. Game recognizes game. To me, that was refreshing to see of some of those moves that were made. I mean, you throw in the Dolphins too, Bradley Chubb. I have my concerns, perhaps. Bradley Chubb with his injury history, that's a guy who I don't know if I would have given a first-round pick for, but credit to the Dolphins for taking the chance on it anyway for saying, why not? Let's just see if we have something here to potentially work with, to give it a shot. To me, that deserves a a lot of credit for what they were able to do. Let's go ahead and take a look around the uh, NFL this week with the games on the docket. Beginning on Thursday night, it's a damn shame we have to have the Eagles and the Commanders, or not the Commanders, the Eagles and the Texans, and the Phillies and the Astros playing at the same time. I mean, whose genius idea was that? Let's let's take the two markets for the World Series and the two markets in the NFL to play at the same time on Thursday night. But apparently that's gonna happen. Uh, The Eagles should beat the crap out of the Texans. This game will not be close. This game will be ugly, and the Eagles will have their way, and they will dominate. And Jalen Hurts is playing at an MVP level. Uh, You know, watch out. The Eagles are are something else. They're not going away. Howie Roseman deserves every executive of the year award imaginable. I mean, Howie's got some guts. Howie's got some guts to him, and deserves a lot of credit for where this Eagles team is at right now. Uh, I like what I've seen from the from the Eagles here. Meanwhile, Sunday's action. Let's get to that next. Uh, some of these games around the league: Chargers and Falcons. Falcons have surprised some people. That Falcons team was not expected to do anything this year, and here they are, uh, sitting with that four and four record. Chargers. They should win this game. And it's a team that needs to get back on track. For me, I'm looking at this. I'm saying, Chargers, what do you got? It's what's that meme of the the do something, you know, where you're hitting, uh, you know, getting the stick out and you say do something. That's what I feel like with this Chargers team right now. There's no reason why the Chargers shouldn't win this game. But I think the Falcons, their wealth coach with Arthur Smith, They're going to give the Chargers a fight here. Um, If the Chargers do what they're supposed to do, they should win this football game. They are the more talented team. Um, And this might sound premature, but if they lose this game, I think we got to start talking about Brandon Staley's future. Because if they lose this, there is no reason on earth why a team of this caliber, like the, the L.A. Chargers, should be 500. And we saw last year, Staley potentially cost him two games in the postseason. Um, how much would he be holding this team back? That's a fair discussion we could have And the Chargers find a way to lose this game. Um, elsewhere, looking around the league this week, the Colts taking on the Patriots, the Colts are a mess. Sam Ellinger is uh, going to get the start. And, I mean, th- there's a lot of problems with that Indianapolis Colts team. The Patriots at 4-4. Four and four, Say what you want about New England. And their quarterback circus and everything that's gone on with that New England team. At 4-4, four and four, I think they're feeling fine to be 4-4. Four and four. Granted, things have not gone the way they expected to, but with as much turmoil in the peaks and valleys for uh, New England, and, and more valleys than peaks as of late, four and four, they're still they're still in it. They can still even make the postseason, even with as bad as they've looked. They still can. So that game is a more important game than I think people realize. Bills and Jets, okay. The Bills are the best team in in the AFC. No question about it. Josh Allen, you know, the MVP favorites. Bills, you know, they were really banged up and injured for a while, but looks like things have gotten better for the Bills. That's all good there. The Bills should win this game. Um, Everything points to that they're the more talented team. They should win this game. Okay. I get all that. But here's what I will point to in this Bills-Jets game. To me, this feels like it is more about the Jets than it is the Bills. And here's why. We already know the Bills are legit. Even if they lost this game, we wouldn't have bet an eye. I would say, you know, good teams lose at some point. They lose eventually. That's fine. The Jets can catch a lot of attention here. And I'm no fan of moral victories or anything like that. But if the Jets can keep this somewhat interesting, If they can go toe-to-toe with the Bills and keep this within one score, again, not a moral victory, but they will have the nation's attention that, hey, they've won some football games already. They've competed with the best of the best. Um, This is a prove-it game for the Jets. It's a prove-it game for Zach Wilson um, and all parties involved here. What are the Jets going to do? Now, if they get blown out, Um, it doesn't mean the Jets are bad. A lot of teams have been getting blown out by the Bills this year as of late. But they can prove that they belong on the big stage if they can make this a competitive football game here. So something to think about with that Bills-Jets game there. Uh, Elsewhere around the NFL this week, the uh, Vikings taking on the Commanders. The Commanders are dog crap. Uh, Let's put it nicely. The uh, Vikings, I'm interested to see with this T.J. Hodgkinson thing. They were already good. How much is he going to elevate that team? And what's next for the Vikings? I mean, Kirk Cousins. And we've all had a few laughs or two at Kirk Cousins' expense. But he's getting help. And watch out. Watch out, folks. That that Vikings team is right there. Now, I need to see Kurt win some primetime games and come up big in some big moments. I don't need him to be playing like a Cowboys quarterback. Uh, Watch out. The Vikings here against the Commanders. Nothing about this says trap game at all. I think the uh, Vikings are going to be just fine. The Seahawks taking on the Cardinals. The Seahawks trying to win their second straight game against the the, uh, Cardinals. Remember, the Cardinals – or the uh, Seahawks, rather – are on a three-game winning streak right now. Seahawks have played some really good football the last few weeks. They're well-balanced between their run game and their pass game, both. Kenneth Walker's been good. Geno Smith's been good. But the thing for me about Seattle – Their defense has come such a long way uh, as of late here. I love what I've seen from Seattle's defense. Tariq Wolin has been terrific as a defensive back, one of the best defensive rookies in football here. Um, Seattle's going to be well prepared. Pete Carroll, credit where credit's due. That's a team that's in playoff contention. Is it a stretch to say – that if uh Arizona loses this game at home, a game that they're favored, if they fall three and, and what, seven? You know, this game is their season pretty much at this point. It's hard to come back from being down to a three and seven record. If the Seahawks win on Sunday, is there any reason to keep Cliff Kingsbury at this point? I don't think so. If you lose Seattle here, and your season is effectively over. That's it. So for me, Seattle this is big cuz you're trying to build up cushion in your division, trying to win that race. But as far as Arizona's concern goes, I think you're not only playing to save your season, I think you're playing to save your coach's job on Sunday. I'd really do. It would not shock me if we find out Sunday night that the uh Cardinals lose and Cliff Kingsbury is not the head coach. And it feels like we're kind of just delaying the inevitable at this point. Because nothing about Cliff Kingsbury says that he can win playoff games. A new Call of Duty game's out, so that can't be good for Kyler Murray either. Um, I, I feel good for Seattle's chances in this case. Uh, also on Sunday afternoon, Titans... And the Chiefs, or uh, that's on Sunday night. We'll get to that here in a second. Rams and Bucks on Sunday afternoon. This is a loser leaves Town game between these two teams. The Rams have a lot of issues right now, uh, a lot of things that they need to overcome. The Bucks, on their end, has been a rough week for Tom Brady. He and Giselle love is dead. It's a sad deal. Um, Tom Brady's throwing the football off, and they don't have a run game. And in the Rams' sake, they didn't trade Cam Akers. There's talks that they can salvage things with Cam Akers. Get Cam Akers back out there. You need Cam Akers, personally. So to, to me, it's hard to read into this game because we don't know who has bigger issues. Who has bigger demons that they're dealing with at this point in time, whether it's the Rams or the Bucks, Because they're sitting in the same boat. One team's three and four, the other team's three and five. Okay? So let's see what happens. But I really don't have a good feel for this game because both teams are in deep trouble right now. And the loser, their season's over. with. It's done. You can write them off based on who loses this game here. Sunday night football. Titans taking on the Chiefs. Uh, Rayleigh's done a good job lately. Getting that team back in shape and putting that roster together. Um, you know, they don't have any good receivers. That's the worst receiving room with the league, but there's no reason to think that they can't make this a competitive game. The Chiefs' offense has been humming. They've been putting up points, and they really worked around that San Francisco team. Um, We've seen these games with the Chiefs the last couple of years where a team just comes in and says, hey, we're going to insert their will. We're going to control the clock and try to limit possessions, keep the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands. That's what I think we see Sunday. And I don't know if we're going to see Kadarius Toney, much of him at all, but the Chiefs, they'll win, but Tennessee – with Derrick Henry and company, I don't see them being able to slow down Derrick Henry too much. He'll get his, but I don't trust John Ryan Tannehill. I like the Chiefs to win this one, but closer than the experts think. Monday night football, Ravens and Saints. Ravens are at five and three. Saints are at three and five. Ravens get Roquan Smith this week. The Ravens are establishing themselves as the third best team in the AFC. The Saints, meanwhile, Dennis Allen uh, is a joke. He can't coach. They're going with Annie Dalton, which makes no sense. You ought to still be playing Jameis Winston as far as I'm concerned. Um, The one thing New Orleans has going for them here is they're at home on a Monday night in a primetime game. And the Ravens are really bad about blowing games in the fourth quarter here. The Ravens, if they're going to win this football game and not give New Orleans a shot, is very critical for them to start out strong in those first three quarters and not blow a 10-point lead. Again, we've seen that happen before. So, if Baltimore plays to their potential, if they don't get in their own way, Baltimore wins. But... I can't trust this Baltimore team right now. I do not know if they will get in their own way or not. That's a question that remains to be seen. So there you have it. That's your look around the National Football League today here on the Jones Report. Coming up, more NFL conversation. Coach Bo is going to stop by. Uh, Also, Michelle Montaigne is going to be here coming up in just a bit. Uh, We'll also have our Tom Foley Story of the Week. But right now, it is time for the Big 12 Breakdown. It's the Big 12 Breakdown. Tyler Jones here with a comprehensive look around the Big 12 Conference. And we usually begin with our hot takes in the Big 12. And we'll get to those here in just a second. But before we we do so, we have to begin with the new TV contract that the Big 12 just signed. Uh, for the future members of the Big 12 Conference and what this all means for this league going forward. First off, this is a win. This is an exciting deal for the Big 12 to have this TV contract taken care of. You are not going to get Big 10 or SEC money that just wasn't realistic, that wasn't on the cards out there. And luckily, you have a legit commissioner that doesn't talk a bunch of BS uh, like the Pac-12 commissioner George uh, Kilikoff, and you know Kilikoff says that he believes you know the Pac-12 is going to get SEC or Big Ten money. No, you you have a Big Twelve commissioner and Brett Yormark that's realistic, and that is trying to sell this league and bring some positive momentum. You know they didn't get the most money they could have. You know they could have waited a year and a half and gone to open market. But that would not have put them in good graces with ESPN and Fox. Um, You might get more money going to a streaming service, but you either lose ESPN or Fox out of it as well. Likely can't keep both. Um, To me, this was about exposure, which you get with ESPN and Fox. You're going to be the only power five conference on both networks. Exposure was a big deal and beating the PAC 12 to the punchline, getting this deal done. They went to market first. You got a deal done first. And think about this. I don't think this has been talked about enough when it comes to the big 12 and its TV deal. Remember the big 12 went to court with ESPN just about a year ago, just over a year ago, and was very upset with how things were handled with uh, Oklahoma and Texas going to the SEC. And you had a dumbass commissioner in Bob Bowlesby that you know tried to blame ESPN for it and hold that against them and allegations that just simply weren't true uh, that he, you know, threw out there. And as a result, that really hurt the relationship between the Big 12 and ESPN. And, you know, for your mark to come in and repair that relationship, to get a contract done, to be on those two networks, was big. And to get a pay increase, a substantial pay increase without Oklahoma and Texas, remember, you had... These people from the unathletic, like Stuart Mandel and others, that tried saying that, you know, they might get seven to $10 million, that they might be lucky to get that. They might be able to get money like the American Athletic Conference. And look who's the last man standing. A big F you to Bob Bowlesby, to Stuart Mandel and the unathletic. To all the naysayers for this league to still be here, standing tall and strong and being clearly the number three league going forward, that's awesome. Good for the Big 12. This conference was left for dead. And now here's what you're doing. You have your TV deal. The Pac-12 is still in flux. They don't have their TV deal yet. Oregon and Washington are hoping to go to the Big 10. I think you're just letting the cards unfold and the way things are headed, the momentum that's going this way. When the PAC 12 loses Oregon and Washington, which it all sounds like they will, then that's when things will fall apart. And if you're Arizona, you're Arizona state, Utah, Colorado, that money isn't going to be in there in that league without Oregon and Washington. You have no reason to stay. And Here's the other thing, too. What about the basketball side of things? You know, now you got Fox involved there in Big 12 basketball. Now you might go get Gonzaga. Okay. And if you bring in Gonzaga, then they're not a football member, obviously. So they're not going to take any of the football revenue. To me, that's fine. You already have the best basketball conference in the country. And you might even get better. That's a win. So, I got to tell you, through all what this league has went through, for all what they've endured, there's a light at the end of the tunnel and things are going to be a-okay. That's a win. That is certainly a win. And, you know, I'll say this. As... As... Petty or mean this sounds to say, I am rooting for the Pac 12 to fail. After what all their people said, after they laughed at this Big 12, laughed at this league, and you know the role they played in the destruction of this conference, leaving it out to dry when they established the alliance, taking Colorado and all that. I'm rooting for the Pac-12 to fail. And we'll see. We'll see what happens. But credit for Brett Yormark. He's the man. He's got a fan in me. We'll see what he does going forward. Uh, hot takes time. Um, When I look at the uh, league this week, my hot takes uh, for this week, I, I would say this. The Big 12 championship game is already established. It is going to be the two teams in purple. It is going to be K-State and TCU in a rematch from a great game just a couple weeks ago. Um, TCU, schedule's not bad the rest of the way. Still going to play Texas. Um, K-State, you know, you still get teams like, you know, Kansas and others. But if K-State can win the way they did without Adrian Martinez, with Will Howard here, to dominate in that fashion against one of the toughest teams on their schedule left. I mean, everyone else is on alert, right? Um, K-State's legit. It's hard for me to imagine with just, you know, what, four weeks to go that things are going to change that much. Although this year has had a lot of parity in the Big 12, I can't envision a scenario where we see too much shakeup now with just little time left. I think it's these two teams that advance the Big 12 title game. That's my hot take this week. Is the Big 12 title game is already settled. It's already finished. I feel bad for TCU. Um, they got screwed by the playoff committee with that number seven ranking. But the truth of the matter is, there's not a poll that matters until the final college football playoff poll. That's the only one that means anything. So as pissed off as that may be, and the rest of you may be pissed off, that TCU got screwed by the committee. They still have a chance to prove themselves. They still have some nice games coming up um, and can work their way into – the playoff just fine. They still control their own destiny and everything like that. It sucks. It's not ideal, but TCU can be okay. The games on the slate this week in the Big 12. Let's take a look at them one by one here. Five games, all 10 teams in action in conference play. August start at 11 a.m. TCU taking on Texas Tech. Tech a four and four team. TCU's at home. I like TCU to dominate Texas Tech and win this game pretty handily. TCU uh, should go in there and and uh, deliver a smackdown on that, that Texas Tech team. And uh, I think they might play with an edge. They might play with a little anger after not getting the spot that they should have deserved in the uh, college football playoff rankings. I like TCU to take care of business and uh, win this game just fine. Max Duggan, by the way. How about Max Duggan? Now, here's a guy that, you know, has been starting the last couple of years, but didn't look good before this year. And he had to re-earn his job back with a new head coach. And not only has he done that, but he's excelled. 22 touchdowns, just two picks. Duggins played great. Um, I look for TCU to keep the momentum, take care of business against the Tech. Uh, Two o'clock, Oklahoma and Baylor square off. And uh, that game is going to take place there in Norman. And Oklahoma, a slight favorite, three and a half against the Baylor Bears. That game, very interesting to me to see what OU does against that Baylor team and ultimately what Baylor team is going to show up. I feel like we know who OU is with Dylan Gabriel. That when Dylan Gabriel plays, Oklahoma can be a good football team. They've already put their worst behind them. I think Oklahoma is fine now. I don't think they're that great. I think they're fine. Baylor, I don't know what I'm going to see. Am I going to get the Baylor team that puts up a lot of points and can play in a shootout? Or are they going to fall apart? You know, I I don't know what Baylor team I'm going to see. To me, this feels like a you take the home team. In this case, it's Oklahoma. I'll, uh, I'll lean towards the Sooners. I think Dylan Gabriel, and, and he's not perfect. He's flawed in a lot of ways. But besides Marvin Mims, Dylan Gabriel's the best thing going for this Oklahoma offense. I like Oklahoma. KU taking on Oklahoma State. KU's lost three in a row, but I feel like that doesn't tell the whole story. If uh, if you were looking at this Oklahoma this uh, this Kansas team and didn't know much about them, you'd say, "Yeah, they've lost three in a row," but they lost all three in very close games that they had a chance to win. Their quarterback got hurt in the first game in Jalen Daniels. And Jason Bean has played all right, but not as good as Daniels. And they've lost to teams that were more talented than them. Um, so, yeah, three straight losses, but they're coming off a bye. It's not the end of the world. It's not like things are over for, for this Jayhawk team. Meanwhile, for Oklahoma State, I mean, what the hell? the hell happened in that K-State game? And we heard Mike Gundy say, well, we practiced different. We changed some things there. Why? Why did you change those things there? I mean, it was just so awful, so bad from Oklahoma State. Now, you get hit in the mouth like that, that should deliver a message. But that's just in theory. How's OSU going to respond now? Um, Now, Jalen Daniels could be back for KU this week. Um, He could, potentially. I think if Daniels plays, KU wins. If he doesn't, Oklahoma State does. To me, it comes down to one player. One player inside this game, it's Daniels. If he plays, KU wins at home. They become ball eligible for the first time since 2008. And for Oklahoma State... You are – your back's against the all the Big 12 race because you've already lost to K-State and TCU. So you don't have the tiebreaker with either team in the standings. So your season is almost over. This Kansas team still has something to play for. Trying to get bowl eligibility, that's a big effing deal for Kansas. Watch out there. Um, two other games to talk about in the Big 12 this week. West Virginia taking on Iowa State. Both teams are at three and five. West Virginia is going to keep Neil Brown through the rest of the year for whatever reason. Um, Iowa State, that offense is so bad. Deckers has been turning the ball over a lot. He's thrown 10 picks this year. Um, You know, West Virginia, I think, is a better team. But I can't trust either one of these teams here. If if Iowa State could just avoid some turnovers, this could be a very interesting game. They could win this game. I don't know if Iowa State can take care of the football or not. That to me is what I'm watching for. If Iowa State takes care of the football, and they are a seven point favorite, I might. If Iowa State takes care of the football at home, they win. We'll see. Uh, last game, Texas and K State. This game's in Manhattan. K State's played really well against the Longhorns over the years. They have, and K State is red hot right now. Texas, with that five and three record, still finds themselves ranked in the college football playoff poll. Um, they're coming off a of bye week. Both these teams, uh, you know, are, are, are very I think they're both good football teams. Texas lost a game against Oklahoma State that, you know, they should have won. They beat Iowa State. They had the big win against Oklahoma. This is only Quinn Ewer's second true road game that he started. And he lost the first one. It looks very nervous against Oklahoma State a couple weeks ago. So, K-State, they got more playing for it. They're trying to get to that Big 12 title game. I lean towards K-State in this game. And, you know, Adrian Martinez did not play last week. He was a game-time decision. They went with Will Howard. And Will Howard played the best game of his career. Um, I like what I've seen from Adrian Martinez. And especially the way that he's kind of stuck it to Nebraska fans that chased him off a bit. But I think Will Howard did enough last week. You have to go with the hot hand. I would lean towards letting Will Howard play this game and seeing what he can do against this a Texas team. So there you have it. That's your look around the Big 12 Conference this week for our Big 12 Breakdown here on today's show. Going to be another exciting week in the Big 12 Conference. We'll see what happens. And TCU, best of luck to you on uh, your playoff hopes and uh, getting in the good ra- graces of the committee. Which maybe the college football playoff committee just hates TCU. History would say so. dating back to twenty fourteen, might not be wrong there. Coming up next is a Michelle Montaigne. Great discussion with her. We'll talk Sooners, Cowboys, Big Twelve race, and more when a Michelle Montaigne joins us next. Stay with us. Joining us now on the Jones Sport this week, making her debut is the one and only Michelle Montaigne from. KTL Tulsa's Channel Eight, uh, a place I actually once was an intern at uh, many years ago. Oh,
1: crazy! I didn't and
0: uh, Michelle joins us right now. Michelle, welcome in. Glad to have you with us.
1: Tyler, it has been too long. I'm so excited to be joining you today. One of my favorites, easily far and away.
0: <laughs> oh, it, it is. Uh, this is a long time coming. I can't believe we we took this long to bring you in uh, here finally, <laughs> Michelle. But. Uh, You've been in, in Tulsa just a little bit now. You're, you're a Texas girl through and through. Tell me about your uh, your background, getting to Tulsa and everything.
1: Yeah, I never thought being, not just only a Texas grad, basically, but a Texas resident my whole life, that I'd end up with my first full-time sports broadcast job, living in the Sooner State, covering Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I've been in Tulsa about six months, and I have absolutely loved it. People here are so nice. The people here are like you, Tyler. They're all awesome. Um, and I really enjoyed it. I have to say, the people here, by far and away, surpass the say animosity that comes with the Texas and Oklahoma State school rivalries. I will say that much. <laughs>
0: That's great. I'm uh, I'm glad you you fit in well uh, right there in in Tulsa, T Towns. Yeah. Uh, Treating you good there, Michelle. Uh, speaking of uh, those, those teams you cover, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Let's start out with Oklahoma State. That that loss last week to Kansas State humiliating the the worst loss in the uh, Mike Gundy era. What what happened?
1: Tyler, I don't don't even know how to accurately put it into words. If you listen to Mike Gundy after that game, he blamed a lot of it on what he called the physicality. I mean, there were a number of things, but that was what he said after he started watching tape at, I think, 4.17 a.m. He said he watched every single play. One of the things that jumped out at him was the physicality. And when I went back and watched that game, it was so apparent. Now, he did say leading up to the game that he had tried some new things out in practice. When we pressed him on, like, okay, what do you mean by that? He didn't go into details. But for the most part, what was basically assumed was that because they are so injury-ridden, he tried to kind of lessen the load during practice and then what showed up on the field in Manhattan, Kansas was a team that looked like they hadn't practiced all week. And when you talk about the physicality, I mean, there were specific plays that literally jumped out at me where you easily saw, I mean, one that I'll pick on. Um, I think they're running I think they're running a sweep way uh, with John Paul Richardson coming around the corner. and before he could begin to think about cutting up field, 91 from Kansas State was like six or seven yards in the backfield. You know why? Because Caleb Etienne, the, I think he's left tackle, barely touched 91. Then number four, um, uh, Deontay Johnson, I think, or number four yeah. running back for Oklahoma State, completely missed his block. 91 is literally seven yards in the backfield before there was a chance of that play working out. And that's just one play that kind of embodied – What we saw from Oklahoma State all game long, the run defense was horrible. Deuce got loose. Um, Oklahoma State has struggled in the secondary. Will Howard took advantage of that. Um, So it was just – it was a combination of things, but I think when Mike Gundy summed it up as physicality, that is really what you can kind of point to and just a team that wasn't ready to play.
0: What's so interesting about, like, the the physicality standpoint was that – this Oklahoma State team last year made its name off of physicality, how well they played at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. And for that to come out, you know, the way it did this week, I mean, it, it's just mind-boggling because that, that's something that we've seen them do so well, at winning at the line of scrimmage.
1: Right. And I think that, you know, like if you look at the Big 12 right now, We all point to Oklahoma's struggles on defense. We obviously point to Kansas's struggles on defense. Oklahoma State is ranked last in the Big 12 when it comes to defense. And if you think about their last couple of games, right, like of their last three, they've lost two of them. They squeaked out that win over Texas. And there were a lot of things working in their favor that game, namely the penalties, namely the fact that Quinn yours had his worst game of like maybe the last, 10 years of his life dating back to middle school. I don't know. Um, But they obviously mounted that fourth quarter comeback. A win is a win. But if you look at what they did, even starting against the bears in Waco, Texas, right? Special teams and field position have been their bread and butter. That's what's really kind of helped them earn some of these wins. And in these last two games, they haven't won, or excuse me, their last two, In the two losses that they've posted, they haven't won the special teams battle. They haven't won the field position battle. Teams have kind of looked at that. They figured it out. And they've put a lot of pressure on those areas. And so when you take those elements away and you're left with, okay, now we're back to having to play offense from really poor field position with an offensive line missing last game, their right guard, arguably their best player on the offensive line. You're playing with a beat up Spencer Sanders. On the other side, their their secondary, like I said, struggled, and then their run defense has been bad. I mean, all of those things you add together, and it just it made for what you saw in a forty eight nothing loss.
0: Oh man! And, and so now the question becomes, where does this team go from here? You take on a a Kansas team that might have Jalen Daniels back this week, who's you know on a three game losing streak of their own. Here, <laughs> I, I'm looking at two teams this week, Michelle, that are. Very desperate here, but you know, a, a Kansas, team that it hasn't looked bad in their three losses, and they're coming off a bye week. Oklahoma State off that shutout. I'm very curious if Mike Gundy is going to get that team's attention this week, or or if they're going to, or if they are just going to, you know, roll over here essentially. I, I don't know what Oklahoma State team is going to show up Saturday.
1: I think the biggest determining factor in what Oklahoma State team shows up is what quarterback starts. If Spencer Sanders starts, they have, even if he's at 50%, 60%, I say Oklahoma State has a chance to be in it. But if Gunnar Gundy gets to start, I mean, it would be his first true start as a Cowboy. I think that he would have his hands full. I mean, he's starting on the road. You saw what that did to another Big 12 quarterback, their first true start as a young quarterback on the road. There are so many things that go into that. Kansas is obviously having a huge year. Their stadium has been fuller this year than it has been for the last <laughs> decade. Um, I think it would be really hard for Gun- Gunnar Gundy, not to mention Kansas's main defensive end. Um, uh, let me – I have his name here. Um, who is – Lonnie Phelps. Lonnie Phelps, top yeah. 25 in the nation in sacks. I mean – he is their most prolific pass rusher. Um, if Gunnar Gunney is going up against that, even if Spencer Sanders is going up against that, um, I think Kansas has a real shot to take home field advantage and make the most of it, especially because, I mean, we know Sanders, even if he plays, is not going to be at 100%.
0: Right, right. That's a great point. going to be very interesting to see where this uh, team goes from here. Uh, the other team we cover, uh, the Sooners, uh, have played better football as of late. Uh, ever since uh that that loss to the Texas the beat down you, you were there when it happened uh mm-hmm. ever since the better football do you think uh, this OU team is here to stay as, as the worst happened if they hit rock bottom and now on the way back up what do you think uh, is this a legit turnaround for OU now
1: yeah i mean i think it's i think they've taken incremental steps each week since that Texas loss now we knew going into the season even that Their offense was the strength of that team. So if we just kind of hone in on the defense, they played better against Kansas. I mean, they still gave up a lot of points. They played much better against Iowa State, most notably in the run game. I mean, they only gave up 66 yards to Iowa State, only nine rushing yards in the first half. And 66, I mean, 66 rushing yards. So... If you look at that compared to I believe it was they were averaging or they were giving up on average over 237 rushing yards in their previous six games. I mean, that's a huge step in the right direction, even just points wise total to allow or to hold Iowa State to 13 total points when in their previous four Big 12 games, they were giving up. I want to say around like 43, 46 on average. I mean, that is incremental noticeable tangible progress um when you look at the linebacker specifically the white obviously had a career high 14 tackles in that game against i would say sophomore backer um studsman i think has just each game looked a little bit more secure a little bit more in the right position a little bit more like anticipating things a little bit better and that's what resulted in that late game interception from him um so while I wouldn't go on to say like they're here to stay and this is a sooner team that's going to win out um I think that they they're improving noticeably week to week or they have been at least in these last two games I think Baylor's going to give them a lot to handle I mean yeah I think that there's um potential for maybe some steps backwards. But, hey, going off of what we've seen so far, we're going to take the Kansas and Iowa State games as as progress moving forward.
0: Well, Michelle, the thing to me that that caught my attention watching this Oklahoma team, you know, when Gabriel was out, that offense was so bad and couldn't move the football. And, um, you know, I'm not a huge fan of Dylan Gabriel by any means. You know, he's had his fair share of mistakes, and there's some things you can point to. But I, I was just amazed at the drop off of when he's not there. Maybe he uh, he makes up for a lot of the flaws with this Oklahoma team. That the, the way that he you know recovered from where they looked in that Kansas game to the Texas game was so night and day. I mean, a, a lot of credit I think due to Dylan Gabriel. Maybe he's better than I thought.
1: You know, I think that the drop off between QB one and QB two a two b two c two d was extreme now i don't i mean you think about all the factors that go into this right you have a new offensive coordinator you have a new offensive system you have a defensive-minded head coach so it really puts a lot more on Levy and what he's trying to do there i'm not you know they brought in those quarterbacks with only a couple months to get them ready and then you're going to put davis bevel in in the Red River game, like that's his first true start. I mean, right. that's a lot to throw at a guy. Um, so to your point, I think I think Dylan Gabriel does a good job of managing the offense, not just playing the quarterback position as far as like handing it off, making throws, you know, reading what the defense gives him and and making the right decisions at the right times. I think he does a good job of just running the show, and that's what the other guys aren't as proficient in um if you look at some of the other teams around the big 12 like Jalen when Jalen Daniels went down and being stepped up he was still able to put points up on the board when when Adrian Martinez went down and they had Will Howard playing for Kansas State last week Howard was some of the throws he was making I mean he was threading that needle for those guys and I think that's something that you're seeing kind of around the big 12. I mean, Hudson Card and, and Quinn Ewers are basically, you know, I'm not going to say interchangeable Quinn is QB one, but you're seeing that depth around the league and you're not seeing that with the Sooners. So I don't know if it's Dylan Gabriel's that good or if it's just that the second, you know, QB two just isn't that good. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I think you're spot on with that, Michelle, with that, Assessment, And you look at this next stretch for Oklahoma, you get Baylor this week, West Virginia, Oklahoma State, and then Texas Tech to close out the uh, the regular season here. How do you think the Sooners are going to fare over these uh, next four weeks? It certainly helps they get Baylor and Oklahoma State at home here.
1: It does. I think Baylor is going to be actually the hardest test of them all, um, like we talked about. Oklahoma did improve in the run defense against Iowa State, but it's not like Iowa State is some great rushing offense. Um, This week, they're up against Reese, who is like top 20 in all of the categories that matter for a running back. Top 20 in the country in um, rushing yards, rushing yards per game. He's seventh uh, or tied for seventh in rushing touchdowns. I mean, this guy is a freak. Um, And so they're going to need to be able to. I think the biggest key for this defense is going to be able to stay disciplined like Reese can find gaps all over the field. Um, I know Jeff Grimes loves to play outside zone. So it's really going to require Oklahoma to be disciplined, which if you ever listen to Brent Middleballs for even five minutes at a time, the word discipline is probably going to be said at least three times. <laughs> um, so it's not like he's not preparing them for that, but seeing it actually executed is another story. Um, I so because of all of those things, I do think Baylor will be the hardest test. West Virginia, I think they'll be able to manage. I know that TCU when they played them on the road, it was I think they won by only a touchdown or it wasn't a big win for them and they're sitting at the top of the conference. So I think West Virginia is that team that can sneak up on you, but I think if Oklahoma plays the game that both Jeff Levy and Ted Roof plan out um, they'd be able to handle the mountaineers. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State is, I mean, it's a rivalry game, right? It's just like Texas OU. You never really know what team you're gonna get. Um, and with Oklahoma State's injuries, you don't even, you literally don't know what team you're gonna get. Um, and then with them finishing out against the Red Raiders. I mean, I think Texas Tech's been hanging around. Obviously, Baylor handled them last week. Um, so all that said, if they can, if they can play well against Baylor, if they can beat the Bears, I think that would. Really set them up nicely for the rest of the season.
0: Last thing on the uh the Big 12, then we'll uh, move on here. The way the race is stacking up, TCU undefeated, leading the way, K-State second after that win against uh Oklahoma State there. OSU uh and OU both not mathematically out of it, but certainly would need some help. It it, it looks like this is TCU and K-State's to lose. I, I would be surprised at this point, Michelle, if if those aren't the two teams that meet in Arlington here in a few weeks?
1: I feel like one of, between the two of them, one of them is going to lose at least one game. So I don't know if that means TCU runs the table, stays undefeated, or if that means Kansas State is upset by one of their four remaining teams or games. Um, but I think that it's the Big 12. Like all this conference ever does is <laughs> eat itself alive. Um, yeah. And that's what you hear at the national level, right? Is the big 12 is just full of teams that can really upset one another any given week. Um, so I think TCU has a, has a good chance to go on a run. I think they're in it for sure. Even if they lose a game, they're still going to be, I mean, right now there's still two wins ahead of anyone or two losses ahead of anyone else. Um, but I think that second spot is, is still very much up for grabs between Kansas state, Oklahoma state, and then any of the three lost teams, Texas OU. And, uh, there's one I'm not thinking of. I think Baylor maybe.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's wide open. Yeah. We'll see yeah. what happens. Uh, on uh, that front Michelle, uh, what, what we have here too. I know that you're such a, a big soccer fan and cover, uh, you know, the, the MLS and professional soccer scene in America. What a, Uh, a big uh, championship game that uh, we have coming up uh, on the MLS side this weekend here.
1: It should be one of the better MLS cups we've seen in, in, recent years, we get number one versus number one LAFC versus Philadelphia union playing in Los Angeles. I mean, if you've watched either of these teams all season long, you've been treated. I mean, LAFC is good at everything literally everything. Um, and Philadelphia union has, I mean, they have the best goalkeeper in the league. It's not even close. They have one of the best back lines. I mean, they gave up like no goals compared to the rest of the league. I'm just kidding, but their 26 goals against is, you know, the fewest in MLS by, I mean, by 12 or 13. Um, so it's going to be, sparks flying um in that game we're we're in for a good one i mean so i usually cover mls next pro which is the second league and in that cup final we got number one versus number one so the fact that we're getting that uh in the first league is is a real treat i think it's going to be um it's going to be a good one
0: yeah uh should be exciting and i mean just a lot of momentum it seems for american soccer right now with the you know World Cup coming later this year, and with the uh, World Cup coming to the states in mm-hmm. 2026, and I mean the uh, the women's side, the NWSL final last week had a million viewers on CBS. I mean, there's yeah. a, a, a lot of a lot of good it seems for the American soccer scene, and the MLS is right in the thick of that. It, it seems, Michelle.
1: It's, I mean, if you listen to people across the league, obviously MLS is the top league here in America for obviously for the men's side. Um, NWSL has been expanding year over year, Kansas city specifically building the first ever, all female female purpose, um, facility game facility. Um, and they're building training facilities just for, for women's professional soccer. Um, I think all of it is kind of bubbling up right now. They see, I mean, when you talk about soccer, it's the world's game, right. And you see what they've been able to do in Europe in terms of development academies, just the entire system from like you're able to walk till you're able to make a million plus pounds per year um and you look at American soccer and it's just so far behind that I think there's been a real push in recent years to try to catch up to to what's going on in Europe and then you have our neighbors to the south I mean Mexico is ripe with talent you look even further south. South America ripe for talent uh, or excuse me, ripe with talent that I think Americans um, saw a big area for growth and they're trying to kind of capitalize on that.
0: Well, and it seems like, and I'm no expert on this by any means, <laughs> but uh, so much of American soccer of, of the catch up part of it, it's not a, not a lack of athletes by any means. I mean, you know, we, we have some of the best athletes in the world, but the, the culture and the development side is so far behind of establishing the culture of winning and, and doing the way things they, they do it in Europe here. Uh, we, we just don't have that in the States like they like do uh, overseas right now. But, I mean, it seems like things are getting towards that direction anyway.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you look at some of the best players in the world, right, they were shipped over to Europe at a young age. And then they were brought up in Barca Academy or, you know, other academies around Europe where they eat, breathe and live soccer. You know, it's like their food schedules are around when they're going to train their school schedules and their learning and development schedules are all around training and, and when they can get out on the pitch. So their whole lives revolve around soccer. I mean, they are literally displaced from their family so they can grow up in these soccer academies. So when you kind of put that into perspective with American culture, like you said, in the way that we go about growing up in our school systems and the way our, our days are structured, right. From yeah. five years old till 18, when you graduate high school, it's just so different. Um, you know, right now, or I would say in the last couple years, like it's different for sports for like per sport, right? So a basketball player will maybe do one year in college before going pro, unless you're LeBron James or someone of that caliber, and you can go straight to the NBA. For football, you typically spend either anywhere from three to four years playing at the collegiate level. In soccer, you generally in the last, I'd say decade or so would go to college because that was kind of the pathway set. Well, now with this surplus of, of opportunities and more of that kind of academy type system being built in to the American way of, of, of soccer. Um, people have different opportunities. You don't necessarily have to go to college. You can stay with the academy system. Yeah. Um, you can, you can go to college and then be drafted into the MLS and stuff like that. So um, we're getting there. We're getting there, yeah. but uh, way more room to grow for sure.
0: Yeah. I think 2026 is going to be so huge. You're uh, mm-hmm. not only just, for you know the growth in the u.s but i mean you know here we are originally you're in tulsa i'm in dallas you know we're gonna see some big time games where i'm out here in dallas not too far you know kansas city is gonna get some great games i mean um that to have that you know right right in our own backyard not even just the new york or la thing but to see the southwest the midwest represented uh that's gonna be a big deal huge deal
1: i mean anything around the world cup huge deal. I, the fact that the 2022 one is less than a month away now, like I, it's about to be World Cup season and we're going to feel it in full force. I know. Oh, <laughs> Even yeah. from Qatar.
0: Yes. Yes. Even from uh,
1: Qatar. <laughs> the we're other sure. side of the world.
0: Uh, w- One more thing. We'll, we'll end on this. Uh, one of the teams you also cover uh, on the NBA side, the Oklahoma City Thunder, Uh, you know, no Chet Holmgren this year, but mm-hmm. I mean, SGA, the way he stepped up and, so the young talent there. I mean, there, there's reason uh, to be optimistic. It seems uh, for the Thunder right now for their potential going forward.
1: I don't know where I read this, but um, given the Thunder's like first six games or so, their opponents, everyone basically penciled in an 0-6 start. And next thing you know, the Thunder were three and three. Now they're four and three. Better record than the champion Warriors they right there in the middle of the yeah. Western conference. Um, Lou Dort has been awesome. I know uh, Luca was talking about him the other night, praising him as one of the top defenders in the league SGA, like you said, points machine. Yeah. Hoku has been, I think a fan favorite people are podium Hoku or are, are ready for him. Um, the thunder, I think are just surprising a lot of people. I'd say the same thing about the Spurs. I mean, no bias there. I mean, I, I really mean that. I think everyone was kind of like the Spurs are going to be terrible and they're five and two. So yeah, I think the thunder are, are doing a good job with what they have. They're obviously missing a huge piece with Chet being out this year, but, um, I think they're playing some exciting ball right now. I think the thunder fans have actually surprisingly something to be excited about.
0: Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm definitely excited about it. Can't wait to, uh, Get to see them play sometime sooner in action. Uh, that that win against the Mavs uh, the other night was uh, pretty special too. Uh, that over I,
1: I couldn't believe that down by 16 in the fourth for them to come back the way they did. I think it was Isaiah Joe that came back. Yeah. Um, man, it was that was awesome. That was exciting to watch.
0: I was the only Thunder fan in a Dallas bar uh, on Saturday <laughs> night and uh, soaked it all in. It was. Awesome. Did you
1: make it out alive?
0: I did. Married. Okay. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Uh, I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad you, I'm glad you survived it.
0: Michelle, uh, before we go, where can people find you and see all the uh, stuff you're doing at a uh, and, and uh, connect with you?
1: You can find me on Instagram at Michelle Montaigne, no spaces on Twitter, the 15 character limit really screwed me over. So it's just at M I C H Montaigne. Facebook should be the same thing. Um, but yeah, anywhere online, anywhere on the social media platforms, TikTok, even we're uh, we're okay. doing some college football picks on TikTok. I'm like one in four right now, but we're gonna get there.
0: <laughs> day by day, I love it, Michelle. Uh, we will do this again in the future, I'm sure. Appreciate you joining us, and uh, thanks again. We'll uh, we'll talk again.
1: Thank you, Tyler. It was a blast.
0: Time for Coach Bo's football fix presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. You can find O'Connor Advisory Group online, OAGS.com, oconnoradvisorygroup.com. dot com. You can also reach out to Bo by phone at 785-856-0720. That's 856-0720 to schedule an appointment today. He's also the host of the Coach Boes podcast out each and every Monday and Friday. And he joins us right now. Bo, I, I was actually on your podcast this week. Uh yeah. Talking about the college football playoff and We'll talk more about that here in a, just a bit, but uh, busy times uh, with the holiday season around the around the corner, and uh, it's best just to go ahead and take care of all your insurance stuff now, so you can enjoy the holidays.
2: All your insurance stuff, all your needs, all your uh, also all your investment stuff, man. We need to talk to you if you if you haven't funded your IRA yet for 2022, you can get that done. We can get you squared away and get you taken care of. So. That's pretty much what we're doing here for the rest of the year. It, November and December tend to be our slowest times. It's our highest times of service work. So we'll be doing a lot of just kind of catching up and making sure our clients are in where they need to be and stuff like that. So it's a great time to get a
0: hold of us. You know, Bo, and maybe Tom could even chime in on this too. Uh, we're, we're getting close to the point of the year. I hate hearing this excuse, whether it's from – you know just people you work with or friends whatever and they say yeah yeah let's let's do something after the holidays I'm like no 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 no, no. What, what what do you mean what are you doing on tuesday afternoon or, or i mean whatever i mean like no 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 let's do this yeah. now whether it's taking care of your insurance or going having a drink whatever i don't want to hear the excuse wait wait till after the holidays take care of stuff now
2: yeah and that's a big one with me as well like i I go back to my old days when I worked for one of the big uh, the big, insurance companies and it was like a gimmick. It was like, okay, well, who's going to be the first one to hear that excuse? And it was always right around Halloween, you heard it. Right. Now we're in November and so you're going to start hearing, well, I'll do this right after the new year. You know, right now there is no better time to look at all your finances than right now. And I'll tell you why. What, the biggest thing is, it's a good time because your advisor, someone like me, can have, has the time to set and really take extra time with you. And two, what does everybody do in January? They do something and they'll say, oh, I'm going to have the new year, new me. Oh, get my
0: God, finances. I hate that.
2: And so then I'm dealing with, you know, 100 people. This is the best time to get us and to get us working for you. Reach out, oagks.com If you got questions, hit the comment, contact us, and it'll come straight to me, and I'll be happy to help any way I can.
0: We want to be your All partner. All your financial. Yes, yes, we do. Uh, the uh, picks this week. So the standings right now, Bo's got a little bit of a lead. He's 51-37-2. I'm 48-40-2. Tom is under 500, eight games back at 43-45-2. and well, you, you think Tom's going to get back in this thing? I don't know.
2: I think Tom's going to get back in this thing. I have confidence in Tom. I have a special breed of confidence in Tom. That
0: Does Tom have confidence in Tom? I don't know. I, I like to think I do.
2: There you go. There he's here. He's with <laughs> hey. us today. Hey, all right. <laughs> okay. I, this is a lot more fun for me when Tom is here. Tom is my dude. I, You know, I, what time was it, Tyler, that I actually text you on Saturday? Saying, do we need to do a
0: welfare check on Tom? <laughs> I
2: mean, it was pretty early in the
0: day, too. It was. Like it was he, like before the end of the first quarter on Saturday.
2: I mean, it was. It was early. It was in the first first half at least. I was we in.
0: Like, I was in line in the Sonic drive-through when I got that text from you. I was sitting at home,
2: and I was, and I was mad because I felt, you know, we know Oklahoma State is Tom's team, and I'm not going to try to take his team from him, but man, I had laid. I had like three different bets that were all gonna hit if Oklahoma State hit. And then when they got down, this is the beauty of the apps. Live betting is a blast. And when the Oklahoma, when Oklahoma State got down 14, I was like, no problem. Case they can't play the second half. They ain't done it all season long. Give me Oklahoma State in the points.
0: So you just digged yourself into a deeper hole. Dug it
2: in, just kept shoveling shit and digging myself deeper in the hole. Oh. I ended up – this is how degenerative I got on Saturday. I lost so much on Oklahoma State that I went in and late night, the 11 o'clock start, hit the Hawaii game extremely hard. Luckily, Hawaii is awful. And Wyoming got me back to even. Okay. All right. So that was the the degenerate in me, which has not come out yet until these apps until this past week. So I blame Mike Gundy for the degenerate bow coming out. I I blame Mike Gundy.
3: I don't even blame you. I blame Mike Gundy. When did
2: he cut off his mullet?
0: Obviously, too soon. Yeah. All right, pick slate this week. This is a good one, folks. Um, Number one versus number one, Georgia and Tennessee. Georgia's an eight-and-a-half point favorite at home. Alabama and LSU. Bama's favored by 13 on the road in Baton Rouge at night, might I add you. Wake Forest and NC State, uh, 20 versus 21. Wake Forest favored by four-and-a-half on the road. Clemson taking on Notre Dame. Clemson a a four-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. Number 24, Oregon State versus Washington. Washington a four-point favorite at home. In the NFL, the Titans taking on the Chiefs. Chiefs favored by 12-and-a-half at home against Tennessee. Bills and Jets. Bills favored by 13 on the road at New York. Chargers and Falcons. Chargers favored by three-and-a-half on the road. Ravens and Saints on Monday Night Football in New Orleans. The Ravens favored by three. Rams and Bucks, kind of an elimination game of sorts. It feels like Bucks favored by three at home. Bowl, let's start with Tennessee, Georgia. Okay, what a game here! This is going to be something else. Number one in the coaches' poll, number one in the AP and the playoff poll. Yeah. Uh, cancel all your plans Saturday. The honeydews, all that need to wait. Everyone needs to be watching this football game. Georgia favorite eight and a half.
2: Okay, so this is a tough one for me. I I initially wanted to go Tennessee plus eight and a half. And I was like, that just seems like it's an easy bet. Tennessee scores a lot of points. They give up a lot of points. So what I did is I pulled the records from the SEC only, only from SEC games this year. Georgia is 5-0 in the SEC. Tennessee is 4-0 in the SEC. And I pulled up point differential. In the end, Georgia's defense is the difference here. The point differential to me shows that Tennessee gives up too many points. Georgia will score points in this game. Tennessee will score points in this game, just not enough. I'm taking Georgia minus eight and a half. Okay.
0: Well, um, I'm on the complete opposite end of you here. I like Tennessee to cover, and I like them to win outright. I think Tennessee gets it done on the road. I love the Alabama win. The offense has been so dynamic this year. I don't know if Georgia can keep up with that Tennessee offense. I like Tennessee to win and cover that eight and a half as an underdog. Tom, you get to split the decision here between the two of us. Who you got?
3: I'm not going to be so, you know, gung-ho on Tennessee actually winning this game, but eight-and-a-half to me is too many. You know, if it was Georgia by six-and-a-half, yeah, I'd probably take Georgia. I I think they win by a touchdown. Um, That's where I'm going to draw the line. So, I think Tennessee covers but still
0: loses. Okay. So, that all seems pretty fair then, you know, we –
2: and I, I, my it was my initial thought. My initial thought was eight and a half at Tennessee offense. Did a little dive in, and I'm like, let me see how I like here. I, I like the Georgia defense.
0: Alabama and LSU, Bama favored by 13 on the road. And it's kind of like a de facto SEC West title game of sorts here. Bo, um, what do we think? Bama favored by 13. Is that too much? Uh, LSU has played really good lately.
2: Yeah, LSU's only real poorly played game was against Tennessee. Uh this is LSU's playing really good offensive football. Now Jaden uh Jaden Daniels is playing really great. He's responsible for 11 of their last 12 touchdowns, uh six passing, five uh five rushing. I look for a big day from uh Keon Boutte, the wide receiver from LSU who's had a kind of an under the radar uh, season, I think he's gonna have a big one this week. This is LSU in Tiger Stadium at night against Bama. I ain't beat the LSU by 13 points. Give me LSU.
0: Um, I think Alabama it got their attention losing to Tennessee. I don't think LSU is that great. Um, I saw somebody trying to compare Daniels to Bryce Young. And I think that's blasphemy to even put them in the same sentence. Uh, Bryce Young statement game. Alabama wins. They cover. They deliver. They pull away in the fourth quarter. This game's close for three. Alabama gets it done and covers. How about you, Tom?
3: You know, I am really kind of in that mode that I'm like, you know what? After Alabama losing Tennessee, I don't want to bet against them, but at the same time, 13-and-a-half, it's a lot of
0: points. 13 flat.
3: Of, you know, you know, yeah. at LSU, I will take LSU. I think LSU
0: loses, but I think Alabama blows them out. Okay. Next up, uh, number 20, Wake Forest, number 21, NC State. Wake favored by four-and-a-half here. Bo, what do we think?
2: Okay, I think all these teams in the ACC suck. Yes. And Clemson NC included.
0: State, yeah,
2: I mean, they're Clemson included, yep. The team that shouldn't be in the top four, that is in the top four currently. Uh, I'm taking NC State simply because you give me the team points. In an ACC game, I'm not sure who's better than who. I'll just take points because they're all the same.
0: For all the same reasons, I agree with you. I'll take NC State and the points. Home team as well. I think that's the important key here. Yeah. Uh, I'll take NC State, four-and-a-half-point dog. Tom, uh, Wake or NC State here?
3: Y'all are wild. NC State's fucking trash. Um, <laughs> <wait> for it. <laughs> wait for it. What a wait. take. That <laughs> won't happen again. Give me, give me the Demon Deacons, baby.
0: <laughs> okay. Um, that was interesting. Clemson taking on Notre Dame. Clemson favored by four and a half on the road here. Bo, what are you thinking here?
2: Most overrated team in the country is Clemson. These teams they've picked on, the Wake Forest is the NC States of the world that they've barely squeaked by.
0: Syracuse. Notre
2: Dame is playing well. It's games at home. Notre Dame has actually played better on the road this season. I'm going to take Notre Dame. Give me the four and a half.
0: I'll take it a step further. I like Notre Dame not only to cover. I think they pull off the upset. Hand
2: Clemson. I hope so. I, hope so. I don't know if Notre Dame can score a lot of points. That is my one problem. They can't score a lot. Of, it'll have to be Listen, it doesn't DJ. have a
0: quarterback. They've been, I mean, DJ's awful.
2: Who is playing quarterback for Clemson this week? DJ's starting. Okay.
0: But, yeah, I mean, he's it, terrible. Yeah. I'll
2: no well go Notre Dame. Notre Dame got some
0: momentum. Us. They're playing better. I like Notre Dame to uh, win and cover as an underdog four and a half. How about you, Tom? I
3: like Notre Dame too. I do think that Clemson's lucky bullshit is going to come to an end. They've been they've been scooting by by the seat of their pants, and this
0: is where it ends. Okay, so we all are going with Notre Dame here. So that means Clemson's going to win and cover them. All right. <laughs> Number 24, Oregon State in Washington. Washington favored by four. Oregon State is ranked in the playoff poll for the first time ever in program history. The Huskies favored by four here. What do we think, Bo? Oregon State has two
2: losses to USC and Utah. Washington lost to Arizona State three weeks ago. That's all I have to know. You lose the Arizona State this season, you're bad. Give me Oregon State the points.
0: I'll go the home team. Give me uh, Washington as a, a four point favorite at home uh, to uh, take care of business there. I'll go Washington cover. How about you, Tom?
3: You know what? I got to root for the OSU's. Um, with that being said, I, I like what Bo had to say. Give me, give me the Oregon State Beavers.
0: Okay. To the NFL we go. Titans and Chiefs. Chiefs are coming off a bye week. They looked awesome against San Francisco a couple weeks ago. They're a 12-and-a-half point favorite. Tennessee is playing a lot better football as of late. Brable's done a hell of a job here. Paul, what do you think about this game with uh, KC favored by 12-and-a-half? Okay.
2: I'm not telling everybody what my system is, but I simply have a system this week for the NFL games.
0: Why don't you I use think- it for
2: college? I'm not. It's different because you, we now have half a season of intel. We now have eight games. For most, everybody's played eight games. We have a really good feel for who everybody is now. Yeah. So I went purely statistical on this. Uh, the Chiefs are Andy Reid's. Unde- is he still undefeated or has one loss after a after a bye week?
0: He's never lost after a bye week. Never lost a bye week.
2: They're gonna win the game. Titans keep this closer to 12 and a half, nine, 10, somewhere in there Titans plus the points. chiefs
0: are going to win the game. I agree with you with everything you just said there. And the thing I would add to that is Derek Henry and the Titans run game, that ball control football. I don't think Kansas city has is going to have the time in this game to pull away and win by 12 and a half. I think it's a touchdown win. I think Kansas city clearly is the better team. But I'll go with uh, the Titans cover. How about you, Tom? And I
2: think the Chiefs will look like the better team throughout yes. the game as well. Don't get me wrong. I think a lot of it is – This Titans is Vegas falling
0: in. too much in love with the Chiefs now. We, yeah, we see and, them do this every year too.
2: Yeah, and the Titans want to slug the game, turn it into a slugfest, run the football, and shorten the game. It takes away a couple of possessions. The Chiefs aren't going to be able to put out a 14-point spread or a 12-point spread in this case. Yeah. That's my figure.
0: Okay. How about
3: you, Tom? I agree. Chiefs are going to win. I could see see Titans backdoor covering even um, just on some late BS. But, um, yeah, Chiefs aren't going to have enough time because Titans are going to try to slow the ball game down and they're not going to be able to get out of it. I do think Titans are on the up and up. Uh, but Chiefs are too good for them. But I, I still don't think Chiefs cover, you know, what, what we talked about last week. Buffalo covering 10 and a half against Green Bay didn't happen. And it didn't happen. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of points. Uh, I think, I think this only time-
0: one by 10 last week. So yeah. Yes.
3: Yeah, exactly. Same storyline this week. I don't think Tennessee's a terrible football team. They're not good enough to cover.
0: Uh, Bills and Jets. The Bills are 13-point favorites this week. The Jets have surprised a lot of people. Uh, they played really well uh, so far this year. Buffalo favored by 13 and on the road here. Bo, is that too many points for the Bills?
2: No, it's not. According to my formula, Buffalo can cover 13. I actually have them at 13. Oh, I'm sorry. It was 12.9, so around – 13 That's where we're at. So, I'm thinking Buffalo.
0: Based on the formula, I like it. I'm going Formal. with Buffalo here. Jets, no doubt, have been impressive and uh, nothing against them at all. But Buffalo is a far more talented team here. Uh, I think they can win this by two touchdowns and maybe then some after that. I'll, I'll go with Buffalo to win and cover. How about you, Tom?
3: I think you guys are wild. Uh you know, I don't. I don't like the Jets at all. Um, but at the same time, I do think this Jets team would have a real good shot at beating the Packers. And if the Packers can get the job done and Either cover the Jets, beat the Packers. Have they? Yes. There you go. Well, point proven. Give me, give me the Jets to cover. Definitely not to win. But uh, I think he's like
2: Zach Wilson. No,
3: I I, <laughs> I like parts of them and I hate other parts of them. I'll let you I'll let you kind of guesstimate between the two of you which those parts are.
0: <laughs> um, Chargers and Falcons. The uh, Chargers favored by three and a half on the road here. Bo, uh, Arthur Smith has done a really good job with that Falcons team to be where they're at right now.
2: Uh, he has, and the Falcons threw six games were 6 and 0 against the spread um then they lost against the spread to the saints and then this past week I actually picked them they were 4 point favorite they won by 3 um i watched the last half last quarter and then all the overtime of the falcons in the falcons can run the football They can absolutely run the football, but they're not going to score a lot of points. They got back in that – they let the Panthers back in that game last week. I kind of flip-flopped on this a little bit, but the formula said even though it's the West Coast team going east, the Chargers are the play. I'm going with the Chargers.
0: I'll go with the Chargers here too. Uh, Justin Herbert, it's been weeks since that rib injury – Eventually, this team's got to start coming to form and playing to their potential. This is a good opportunity, dude, so I'll take the Chargers to win and cover three and a half. How about you, Tom?
3: You know, I agree with the both of you. Um, I think this is the week Chargers kind of start getting it together and getting ready for the playoffs. I, I like the
0: Chargers over the
3: Falcons here.
0: Ravens and Saints, Monday Night Football. Bo, uh, typically you require yourself to pick the Saints, but I'm wondering what this new formula says that you're going to do here. The Saints, three-point underdogs at home.
2: You're not gonna. You're gonna think I'm full of shit. The formula says it's a push.
0: Are you Are you gonna predict a push?
2: No, I'm taking the That's Saints plus three. Push. Wait,
0: wait, you, you got to stick with the formula. You can predict. Well, I, I can't. I. I I can't predict a push.
2: I mean, you're going to give me nine to one on that or something.
0: <laughs> well, and <laughs> that's true. Cause you're just going to get the the tie anyway. There's, there's, there's no, there.
2: no way I win. Unless it's the tie. Right. Yeah. So I'm going to get the saints plus three. Uh, the saints have looked great last two weeks. They're doing something unique in that they are, they're switching quarterbacks in and out. They're not going to play Jameis Winston. I don't think for the rest of the season, I think it's going to be Andy Dalton. He's not been good, but when they're between the 30s, they bring in Taysom Hill on short yardages, second and three, third and three, and they get first downs. They keep the chains moving. That has been their whole key last two weeks. They've won both those games. I'm a little concerned with the Ravens and the adding Roquan Smith, but I don't think the Saints are going to be dropping back the pass 40 times in this game. So give me the Saints.
0: I'll go with the Ravens here. I loved the Roquan Smith trade. We'll talk more about him later. But I think the Ravens have turned a corner. Uh, They impressed me with that win against Tampa Bay. Uh, And remember, they're on like a mini bye week playing on Thursday Night Football last week. Um, I'll go with the Ravens to uh, win and cover that three-point margin on the road take care of business. Tom, who do you got? I think the Ravens are good enough
3: to cover. Um, I like the moves they made. I will take the Ravens
0: this week and uh deshaun jackson is expected to make his debut with the ravens in this game as well last one rams rams and bucks in tampa bay tom brady's first game officially as a single man and uh bay's favored by three uh bow not to try to make light of a uh situation situation there but this, this screams Tom Brady revenge game of sorts, right? You know, like, we're. Gonna, I think we see an angry Tom Brady on Sunday with Tampa Bay favored by three.
2: Well, I think we've seen an angry Tom Brady on the sideline for a couple weeks now. Yeah. Um, but I went to the formula. Okay. The formula agrees with you and says take the Bucks here. Uh, I will let you in on the, a little bit of what the formula does. The formula takes in new effects. Your average points allowed and your average points scored. And another forecast piece to it. Bucks minus three. The Rams are bad right now. And according to this formula, they're one of the worst 10 teams in the league.
0: That says a lot.
2: They give give up too many points, turn the ball over
0: too much. All right. So you're going with the Bucks. I'm going with the Bucks. Thomas, the Ram fan, are you going to – Are you believing in the Rams, or are you going with the Bucs?
3: Listen, I turned fucking 30 on Sunday, and I'll be in Vegas, Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, I'm going with the Rams here. Um, I'm going to take the Rams fucking big. Rams have never lost to the the Buccaneer Bradys. They've never lost to them. We're not going to fucking start now. Give me the Rams. Give me nine and a half. Rams big. Nine and, oh, and half. We're we're a nine and half. They're a three point underdog. He'd
0: say nine and a half. Okay. Nine and a half. I'll take the Rams, Rams as well.
3: Gimme give, give me Rams nine and a half big, baby. This is my thirtieth birthday. Um, I'll be in Vegas sauced and a bitch. It's a national <laughs> Are you
2: sure you're not right now? Do what? You sure you're not sauced right now?
3: And uh, now I'm feeling good, but I'll be in Vegas sauced and a bitch on Sunday. Rams, give me Rams by nine and a half. Rams win big. This is a statement game. I don't know if the Rams make the playoffs at this point. They're not going to lose to bitch-ass Brady uh, in Tampa Bay. I was there last year for this game. They're not going to lose. They're not losing to Brady in Tampa Bay. Give me the Rams. Bo, we talked about this before. If I can't place a bet when I'm flying over Colorado this weekend, I want rams I want Rams with the points, and I want Oklahoma State to cover against k u um I think the line right now is two and a half Oklahoma state, and that's my and I got a hundred dollars on it hundred dollars Oklahoma
0: state to cover hundred dollars rams with the points uh I think he wants to do a teaser bet of uh I mean, he with Rams hard. at nine and a half.
3: Yeah, I think we and need we, to do it. You, you know what? Those, you know what those? know what those odds would pay?
2: You me to me put the. We'll, we'll talk. We'll talk off air. We'll, we'll, we'll talk.
3: Okay. Yeah, no, I don't want. I don't want Dave Portnoy listening in, knowing we're making
0: geo He Yeah, I mean
2: he's such a handicapper anyway.
3: <sighs> right.
0: Oh, uh, uh, all right, Bo. Uh, let's start with a number. convicted rapist. What? Did he a convicted rapist? Dave Portnoy. Portnoy. I don't think so. Yeah. Let's, well, let's move on. <laughs> I'm not going there. Let's talk about the NFL uh-huh. trade deadline. Uh, winners and losers from the trade deadline. Yeah. A very eventful two weeks here that we had. Yeah.
2: Uh, winners to me. Uh, you you mentioned him earlier. Roquan Smith to the Ravens. A really great pickup. Uh, this is a guy that I don't know what the Bears are thinking about extending this guy during the summertime. Uh, he could have been a centerpiece of their offense for the next, you know, Defense. eight to ten years. Horb, think um, that was a winner. The Dolphins uh, getting a pass rusher, um, um, Bradley Chubb. Yes, they went. I think that was big. I think that's a big playoff kind of thing. They know who they're going to be up against in the playoffs. You're going to have to go against the Bills. You're going to have to go against the Chiefs. You go and you get. Uh, Bradley Chubb, the first-round pick is a lot to pay for him. Right. But if the Dolphins extend him and get him a contract extension, then that makes even more sense to me.
0: It feels um, like, Bo, the Dolphins between, you know, the Tyreek Hill trade last year and now this move for Bradley Chubb, it feels like they want to be the East Coast Rams. They're taking on the F them picks mentality and bringing in the star talent to the South Beach. Yeah.
2: Well, I, I mean, the entire- Rams last- go ahead, Tom.
3: Sorry, it worked for the Rams last year. I, I yeah. think it – I don't know if it can work for the dollar. Are you taking Stafford or Tua?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I would say Tua right now. i tell you why. He didn't turn the ball over as much.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Um, I
2: wouldn't wait. have said a year ago I wouldn't have said, but you know what the Rams did that was smarter than everybody last year was going and getting Odell back. Everybody was down on Beckham. That's what straightened their. That's got their offense going. That's what helped Cooper Cup get this get these man coverages. You know, one one on one stuff. They're not getting that this year. And as good as Cooper Cup is, if your best player is the wide receiver, that's the problem because you've got to have a great quarterback to get him the ball.
0: Well, if you look at this Dolphins team, no one has a better receiving duo, receiving yards wise right now than Hill and Waddle. Yeah. I
3: mean, yeah, I mean Waddle Waddle's huge. Waddle's very underrated.
2: Yeah. Yeah, Waddle's having a great season. He's exactly what the Tyreek Hill gives him that, you know, it's the dynamic of what the Chiefs had with Tyreek and Kelsey, it's just you're getting Waddle as a receiver, a big receiver, as opposed to a tight end. Right. Uh, it's still the matchup stuff. It's everything that the Chiefs do. I do think that it was smart for the Bradley Chubb trade because it gets you. It also tells me the Dolphins believe in
0: the two. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If you're going to trade away that first round pick, yeah. um, there's no nobody going to think, think about getting, getting a quarterback.
2: Yeah. So it tells me they like Tua and two is the guy, and it tells me that they would they can win now. So I don't disagree, and I don't dislike that at all. Um, the other couple of trades, we talked about McCaffrey last week. I think that was a great fit for the 49ers. Anytime you can do anything to help keep that ball out of Jimmy Garoppolo's hands is a good thing. Um, for the other trades, um, the Vikings picking up
3: – T.J. Hawkins
2: in the division. And the, yeah, that was crazy of the Lions. That tells me the Lions have tossed in the the flag. I mean, they tossed in the towel. They're done. Well,
0: That's the thing about done. This. So I'll be honest. We have not talked about the Vikings a whole lot on this show. I, they're not. They're not the sexiest team by any means. No. Um, but they have been sneaky good. One loss on the season is all, and it happens to be too... An undefeated Eagles team, not not a bad loss at all. And each week they're playing really good football in all three phases. Kirk Cousins has the best weapons he's ever had in his career around him. And now you add another one in Hodgkinson here, too. Um, Credit to the Vikings. They're going all in.
2: Yeah. And their run game is so good. Yeah. I mean, I watched, I was watching games on Sunday with one of my friends who's a huge Vikings fan. We got together to watch games. I wanted to watch the Saints. He wanted the Vikings at the same time. And I was extremely impressed with what I've seen with the Vikings. The defense has played well. Um, Patrick Peterson looked incredible on defense. All of a sudden, he was like he's got young legs again. Um, I was very impressed with the Vikings. I only watched bits and pieces of them so far. And what I saw was the game I did see them play – extensively was the Eagles game they lost. And they only scored seven in that game. And then I saw them in the Saints game where they scored, it was like 28-25, it was a close game. And I wasn't real impressed. But what I saw this week impressed me. I think the Vikings are for real. I've never been a Kirk Cousins believer. But they're also, that offense is not making him do anything more than road to the open guy. And when you got Phelan and Jefferson, now Hawkinson coming over, and you got the run game, the Cal Cook, I mean, this is – they're good, and their defense is really good. And they're going to be there at the end. They're going to be one of those last two or three teams in the NFC.
0: The losers for me, I felt, were the teams that were kind of in between that needed to do something and didn't commit to either buying – or selling. I mean, like, the Cowboys are a good team, but they could have used, like, a Chase Claypool or another piece to get better. The Packers, their season is almost over, and apparently they had even made an offer for Chase Claypool, and they got turned down, and he goes to the division rival like that. To me, I thought the Cowboys and the Packers both really missed on an opportunity here. Yeah.
2: I think mean, the Cowboys are still trying to figure out who they are a little bit. Um, I don't disagree with you on that a little bit, but I do think, and, and I heard they were trying to make a play for Chase Claypool um, and that they just couldn't get the money right on the on who was going to pay what was, who was paying what. Um, but the Packers were the biggest losers to me. And the reason that the biggest losers to me is this was a more action packed. Everyone was trying to improve quickly. Um, we usually don't get 10 trades on the tuesday of the trade deadline, we usually get two, maybe three, and none of them are great like headline getters. Right. This shows me that there's lots of teams that realize they have to get better quick, and the Packers not doing anything means they're willing to just let this whole thing go. They don't they they know they're not good. They know that no matter how good Aaron Rodgers can try to play, he's not going to get them there this year. I don't think the Packers are making the playoffs i i don't think they're a good team yeah at all
0: yeah they got a lot of problems right now for sure um the biggest surprise for me was calvin ridley getting traded i'll be honest i forgot about calvin ridley he hasn't been on my mind in months and you know he's spent it obviously for the entire year for gambling um and it's an indefinite suspension. So it's not even guaranteed that he gets to play next year. They would yeah. have to, you know, reinstate him and all that. But, um, that came out of left field. I understand the Jags haven't been good as of late and they're trying to, you know, move on, get ready for next year anyway. But, yeah. um, that one was just out of nowhere.
2: Well, I, I, yeah, it is kind of out of nowhere, but it's kind of smart. I mean, it's a low risk situation. um, you know, I I would think that they the Jags probably talked to somebody, got some kind of back channels going that Ridley will be available next season. Yeah. Um, because I just don't think that um I just can't think that they would make that trade without that information. But uh it's pretty um off the wall would be a great way I would describe it. And as far as the Jags. I mean, it stocks you another weapon in the cabinet that you can use next season when you've got a young quarterback that they're going to have to make a decision on next season. Right. You know?
0: Yeah, it's a good point. Um, Kadarius Tony going to Kansas City. Things haven't really worked out with him with the Giants, although it's been just a short stretch. And he's been injured. There's been some conflicts with him in the front office, the coaching staff. Now he gets a fresh start in Kansas City. And you look at the Chiefs' receiving core. I mean, they got like four or five good receivers, but no elite receiver. Juju's probably their number one, but I mean, th- this this is a total Andy Reid move, isn't it? I mean, Kadarius Tony, if he's going to turn around, if he's going to make it, Andy Reid's going to get as much out of him as possible. Yeah, this
2: is a good pickup for the Chiefs. This is just depth. Keep bringing guys fresh off the bench. You're going to figure out what you can do with them. It's just it's more bullets in the gun for for Mahomes. I like the deal a lot. I like that the Chiefs keep stocking these kind of players. You know, there's also talk that you know Odell Beckham's going to sign soon as soon as he's 100 healthy. And I think it comes down to the Chiefs and Buffalo there. You know, the Chiefs men, you know, made the deal with Kelsey to kind of free up some salary cap space for that. The Chiefs may not have a number one, you know, like top-notch wide receiver, but Travis Kelsey is that for them. Yeah. And so they just treat Kelsey that way. And he's the best tight end in football. I mean, there he there is him. Kittle is two, and there's a drop-off from there. And there's a pretty big gap between. Well, Kuski I think Mark
0: and Andrews and is right up there, too.
2: I don't know if he's in their category. I, I think he's good. He's real good. He's probably three, but I think there's some drop-off between one and two. And I think right now, Kelsey, I'm not saying he's the best tight end ever, but I'm saying he's playing as good as any tight end has ever played. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's good I would agree with yeah, and, and I think that's how the Chiefs are treating him. They're treating him like he's option one. And then you can put all these guys that are man beaters, you know, and okay, we'll see who's going to get open. I think it's a great strategy. I think the Chiefs are in a good place. I think that – look, we're going to come down to Chiefs and Buffalo, and we're going to see who wins that game in the AFC title game.
0: Um, and that's
2: going to come down to.
0: Now that – the trade deadline has passed. Yeah. Um free agency is now just about two players left. Odell and Nadavigan Sue. Nadavigan Sue had offers but the rumor was that he I mean he could be playing right now but he didn't want to pay, play for what was being offered to him that it wasn't enough money he didn't think it was worth it to go out there. Um two two part question here. Where does Odell end up and do we see Nadama Sue sign somewhere.
2: Um I think you will see Nadama Sue sign somewhere where I don't know. I don't think it's going to be the tippy top guys. Like I don't think it's going to be Kansas City, Buffalo or Philly. Um but I can see Sue ending up in Tennessee, Baltimore, Cincinnati. Yeah. Um Dallas Dallas make a lot of sense to me.
0: Yeah.
2: Um That one makes a lot of sense to me. As far as Beckham, I think Beckham's going to Buffalo. I think he's going to go to Buffalo. I think he's going to go to the place that he thinks he has the best chance to win a championship this year. And I think if you look at it, because the money is going to be all the same. I think in the end it's going to be Buffalo, but I would not rule Kansas City out. I think it's one of those two. I do think it's Buffalo in the end. Tom Brady. I I think it'd be cool to see him. I would love to see Odell Beckham in the same offense with Travis Kelsey. Yes. That would be nuts. It would be. You'd think it was nuts seeing Tyreek Hill with him. Odell Beckham's a much better receiver than Tyreek Hill.
0: Let's uh, let's talk about Tom Brady. Uh, The divorce, it's finalized. He has been happy this year that Buck's team's got a lot of problems. Um. We're even already hearing rumblings that Fox is already getting ready for him to join their playoff coverage, Um, that they're already trying to work out stuff, that he might even still call the Super Bowl on Big Fox um, potentially. I mean, it's a – I'll say this, not to get into his personal life because that's his business, whatever, but just the way this all looks right now, barring some drastic change. Doesn't this feel like just a sad ending here for one of the all-time greats? Wouldn't he have been so much better off if he would have stuck to his original retirement back in back in February, Bo?
2: Yeah, I, I agree. I I think I wish Tom Brady had never left New York, but I do understand why he went to Tampa. To to Tampa and he gets the Super Bowl, and it was easy to come back one more time. And say, hey, I wanna I want to run it again, see if we can do it again. I came up short last year. This year made no sense to me why he came back. I, I really think a lot of it had to do with he wanted to have his own narrative. You know, it got out early that he was gonna retire. I think he was pissed about that. And I think that was a big part of it. And I don't think that would have hurt his legacy. But I'm, he's running around right now out there and looking like Johnny Unitas when he was a San Diego Charger, you know, or Willie Mays, the New York Met. It
0: well, look- and I'll say this I don't think Brady looks bad, honestly. I think its he just has oh, no think- support in that run game. I think, well, the, that's the, the their biggest one. issue. Here's I my mean, they question. Should run
2: it. Here's my question. And I think Tom just kind of alluded to it. Okay, who's the play caller? We've got Myron got left, which is the play caller. All right. But everything goes through Brady at the line of scrimmage. All right. He's got the last say. And I'm willing to bet that he's not as confident in the run game because he's, I don't, and I'm not saying it in a nefarious way, I don't think he's trying to go throw the ball 45, 50 times a game, but I think he doesn't have any confidence in his offensive line. And so he's saying, well, leave the ball in my hands. And let me see if I can do this. Yeah. Look. If I had Leonard Fournette in my offense, I would just keep running the football. If the Bucs can run the football, they'll win the division because that division's bad.
0: Right. That's their one saving grace at this point is in their own division. Yes,
2: and if they can win that division, well, you're in there. You got a chance. So why wouldn't you just go in and say, all right, I got Leonard Fournette, I'm going to run this ball 25 times and run the wheels off of this guy because he is a man child. I mean, when he gets out there, he he just batters people. That helps your offensive line get healthy. It helps everybody. Brady can then hit big plays in in the play action game, which is what he's been good at throughout his career. He doesn't need to be going out there and dropping back 45 times. Yeah. I feel bad that he's in this situation and i don't i mean i don't feel bad for him what i feel bad of is it is a, it's going to be the one x on his his cheat sheet or his his list of accomplishments in the end no one's going to remember everyone's going to remember seven super bowls everyone's going to remember all you did in all you did in new england but he went to tampa and got it done this is just purely his ego and I really think that's what it is. I think it was his ego to brought him back this season more than anything else.
0: He's thrown the ball at least 40 times in every game since week three. Yeah.
2: And, and what all those games have in common, Tyler?
0: Uh all of those games, except the Atlanta game, were a loss.
2: That's right.
0: Yeah. So
2: the secret Andy, in the NFL this season is to run the football. And the teams that run the football as much or more than they pass the ball are the winning teams. Yeah, even Kansas City and Buffalo run the ball as much as they pass, even though you think they don't. Mm-hmm. Run the football, you're going to win games.
0: Last thing in the NFL front, uh, Dan Snyder looking to sell the uh, the Commanders finally after everything that everything that's gone through that situation is using bank of America to, uh, look at possibilities to sell them. Um, Bo, I mean, there, there's so much bad with, with Dan Snyder, obviously everything from, you know, not want to change the name to the lack of success on the field, to the, you know, sexual harassment allegations, you know, just on and on and on what's going on in that organization. Um, but to put it simply, for those that maybe not be sports fans or whatever, um there has not been a worse owner in professional American sports than Dan Snyder, period. No,
2: I, I really agree with you on that. I, I cannot in
0: every say, way,
2: not just on the field. Way, he is he has been the worst owner. And you know, here's a guy who kind of had the American dream, if you will. He bought that team when he was in his 30s. He had the money. He bought that team for like $650 million, something like that. And, you know, that's what we all dream about. We all dream about, oh, I'm going to have enough money to buy a franchise. How cool would that be? You know, we all had that Powerball dream of buying buying an NFL team. This guy did it. And he totally messed it up. And it's, you know, the things behind the scenes, you know, it's the don't I mean I heard things like you don't look at Mr. Schneider in the eyes. Uh women have to wear dresses and skirts, no pants. You know, there's that sexual harassment stuff we've heard. And then on top of all that, they've been bad on the field. And he's never made a commitment. He's also the only owner that can't get a stadium? He's in Washington, D.C.
0: Last time I checked, RFK Stadium behind the White House is sitting empty.
2: And he couldn't get a new – he even – you know, the NFL has a pool of money they can get to at a no-interest loan for owners so they can do their part to get new stadiums. And then you tell me in Washington, D.C.? They couldn't approve it. He's pissed off so many people in Virginia and in Maryland. He can't move the team to either side. The city of D.C. is not going to do it. It's unbelievable how bad this guy is is, as an owner. Mm -hmm. They've never been competitive in his ownership. And really, that franchise has never been competitive except for the Joe Gibbs years in the 80s. Right. Yeah, he's I mean, you could argue he's one of the one of the worst owners of all time. I might argue he's the worst owner of all time. I said it. I think he probably yep. is in the NFL, at least in modern times. I mean, yeah. this is just ridiculous. That should be really and truly the fourth or fifth most valuable franchise. Yes. You can argue, you can argue the you can argue the Rams, you know, with the with the stadium. The Cowboys, are the Cowboys, New the York, the Giants.
0: What's that the Giants, the Bears,
2: the Bears? Yeah, the Bears need a stadium. All oh, this guy needs a stadium and some football people, and he'd have. You know, he's going to get four or five billion dollars for this team, but and it's if, probably going to come so at. Stupid,
0: it's probably going to come at a discount compared to what they really should be worth. Yeah.
2: If he if he wasn't so stupid, he would have gotten six or seven billion dollars for the team. It yeah. would have been the highest sale price of any team in American sports. Yeah, and, and in DC, there is a guy right there who I think would buy the team for for, for six billion dollars. Yeah, I think Bezos also be like, eh, here you go.
0: What do you want for it? Yeah,
2: but he's not going to do it now. There's no chance was by that team. Why is that? I, I think that he's got it with Amazon. It's a conflict of interest. I think for him to own a team and be part of a network, a network spot, network. And then secondly, I think that they Amazon has this really You t- you to talk about this offline a little bit. Amazon has this great vision for Thursday Night Football, where you know people are like barking at him because of the of the ratings, and yeah, the ratings aren't great. That is not what Amazon's worried about at all. This is going to look like a steal in 10 years when people are watching every week, they're going to get better games. And Amazon's making more and more money off of prime memberships. They're getting more shoppers. Right. And more people are spending more money. Right. And that's what it's coming down. That's a all the
0: topic. Let's, let's reel it back in with the commanders here. Um, yeah. From what I was reading, it wouldn't be a conflict of interest. he could do both um
2: okay, I hadn't heard that. I was listening to um someone who said Andrew Brant said so he thought he would be.
0: no, 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 from what I saw, it sounds like he could do both, but oh, okay. I don't know if that's in his you know stack of cards if he would want to do both, yeah, you know I mean yeah. if he wants to ride Amazon's brand of the broadcasting as opposed to the ownership thing. But it'll be something to follow for sure. Um, Moving on, college football. Uh, First playoff poll is out. Um, Tennessee, number one. I mean, what are we talking about? Tim Brando says all the time, you know, the pure playoff privileged. There's no reason why TCU should be seven. Um, And the excuses that they use for putting TCU at seven, saying they're not a complete team, that they've trailed in games, they've been behind – but then I see Clemson four, and I'm like, do, "Do you even watch the games? I mean, have you guys even seen Clemson play? I mean, again, what do we talk about? You know, the uh, the committee caring too much about brands and not actually watching the games themselves."
2: Yeah, well, and I I think that you could also argue that TCU should be ahead of Alabama.
0: They lost
2: fans. the game. They, they lost the game, and I mean, who's Alabama's best win? Texas. I mean, they yeah they were down to Texas to the last two minutes of the game. Um, you know, I think that I think that's where they got it wrong. That's one of the two things I think they got it wrong. Um, you know, we talked on my podcast about this this week. My top four going in was Ohio State, one, um, Georgia, Tennessee, and then Michigan. I would not have Clemson in the top four. Uh, I would have TCU higher than Clemson. I would have Alabama higher than Clemson. I would have TCU ahead of Alabama. I, I don't think there's I, I, there is definitely a privilege here. Somehow Clemson's getting it. I guess the most overrated team in the country. They keep they 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 get behind against teams they're clearly better than, and then they just squeak it out at the end. Um, now I don't think TCU is great. And maybe they've benefited from scoring a lot of points. They give up a lot of points. But then TCU has, let me pull that schedule here. I mean, they've got some impressive wins. I mean, you got you got the Oklahoma State, Oklahoma. They beat the hell out of Oklahoma. Kansas. Ca- Kansas State they beat. These were all ranked teams when they beat them. Um, if TCU can do what they're supposed to do and win the next four in the it- and win the Big 12, I think they'll get in. We do have some eliminations still to happen. I mean, we've obviously got the georgia tennessee game this week. Ohio State's going to play Michigan in three weeks. You know, that's going to be an elimination game. So we'll see. Uh, but that was my biggest issue. I know your big problem was the TCU thing. Mine was that Clemson was in the top four. Yeah. it was just no excuse. I can see the Tennessee thing. If you want to say they got the Heisman favorite with Hooker. And they had British just – The deserves one. That's good, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm okay with that. I do think the best team in the country right now is Ohio State. I'm sticking with that until I see them lose a game. But, I mean, Tennessee, Georgia, I'll even include Michigan. Michigan's a different team than the rest of those teams. But, yeah, I, I I'd love to see a Michigan-TCU game right now. Yeah. Those are two different, completely different styles. Michigan plays good defense. They run the football, and they beat you down in the second half. Of that run game, so that that's where I want to see how they do. Like that didn't work well for them last season in the playoff, but I, I think this year it could.
0: Yeah, it, it just might. Uh, right. The new Big Twelve uh, TV contract, close to four hundred million dollars. We've also learned a couple of interesting tidbits about it, too, that have since come out, that there is a prorated clause of ESPN's portion of the contract, not Fox's, if they add Power 5 schools within the league. And also, the Big 12 is talking to Gonzaga about the idea of them being a basketball only member or, or non-football member that is mm-hmm. and uh, obviously Gonzaga wouldn't get any pieces of the football pie but would be splitting up on the basketball pie um, you know when, when it comes to the contract itself Bo, it's a win for the Big 12 and it's a pay bump even without Oklahoma and Texas um, and they're going to be the only Power 5 conference on both ESPN and Fox all that's good for visibility, stability but they could, have, they could have gotten more money had they taken this, the open market. The Pac-12 might end up with more money because they're going to the open market, but as a result, they're probably going to have a decent number of games on a streaming service.
2: Yeah, I think that the Pac-12 is definitely going to have to go to the streaming, whether that's Apple or Amazon. Um, probably probably Amazon. Amazon. Yeah. Probably Amazon. Um, and that'll be good for them. It'll be good for Amazon. But I do think that what we'll see is it is good for the Big Twelve that they've got the contract, they've won the contest to stay more relevant in the Pac-12. And now, to me, if you got that deal with where if you go rate them, you get it, you can exponentially make that contract bigger. You got to go do it. You got to go grab four teams and give them the death blow and, and do it. Because in the end, it's going to make your contracts bigger. It's going to make your conference better. I mean, if you want to add Gonzaga for basketball, that's fine. You need to add two teams in that case, though, wouldn't you?
0: Uh, no, you, you don't have to. Okay. I don't know.
2: I don't know of any other non-football, you know, Western half schools like that. So, uh,
0: I, Well, like the ACC is 15 teams in basketball with Notre Dame.
2: Okay, so we use an odd
0: number. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I'm fine with that. Well, and
0: also, it came out too that the Pac-12 apparently had been talking to Gonzaga, so that could be another blow too.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think to, it to me the biggest thing was if you're going to make these deals now when you're in the not, when you're in the exclusive window with Fox and ESPN, you get as much as you can, and you've. Got to add those teams because then it does become less than Amazon will give later on.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's the next point of action. Ball, we're out of time. Appreciate joining yeah. us as always. Thank you. Always uh, good to check in with you. And uh, do ha, let, let's free Bill Self, right? From that four game. <laughs> you
2: four game. and a slap on the wrist.
0: Free Bill Self.
2: Free he did Bill nothing Self. wrong. <laughs> We'll see you next week, guys. Thanks,
0: sir. all right. Take care. Stay bold. Final segment before we go. It is time for our Tom a story of the week, where we tell you about something ridiculous happening in the world. And this time, uh, I want to take you into the Twitter sphere. And uh, you know, the I want to kind of give my thoughts of some sorts. I know this isn't our our typical. Tom Foley usual story, but uh, of the Elon Musk Twitter deal that has gone down and, you know, Elon taking over Twitter and, and you know, there's going to be a lot of changes to Twitter. And I, I kind of wanted to address just my thoughts on this situation and what it means for our country and our world, really, for that matter. And And, and here's the reality of this situation. Uh Elon Musk buying Twitter is a good thing. And one of the arguments I keep hearing from from folks is, you know, is it a good thing to have one of the richest men in the world owning one of the most powerful social media tools in the world? And I mean the reality is that every one of these things is owned by somebody that's rich. Um, and you know, all the time we're seeing, whether it's media companies, organizations turning into monopolies and everything that comes with that. So for me, that portion is not that big of a deal that Elon Musk is a rich guy. To me, that's not what, what concerns me, but I would say is when I look at this situation, I look at it as as a positive that, you know, here we are and, you know, people are getting banned from Twitter. Uh, you know, they're being censored. They're being shadow banned. And there's no accountability held to it. There's no one pressing back on Twitter that has been able to fight back You know, you you had Alex Berenson, uh, formerly the New York Times, who got suspended by Twitter. He took him to court. He got reinstated. But that's been about it. And and so now in in Elon's world, he's like, look, hey, everybody's going to have a voice here. And taking on the bots and everything that comes with that, to me, I'm all for it. This is a win for democracy. This is a win for America that... Elon Musk is getting involved and in giving everyone a seat at the table. Um, look, you know, I, I keep hearing, you know, all oh, this is going to encourage hate speech and stuff like that. Look, you know, at, at the end of the day, um, there's, there's no such thing as hate speech. What hate speech is, it's speech you don't like. And just because you don't like it doesn't mean that person shouldn't have a right to say it. Look, there's a lot of things I hear every day that I don't like. And, you know, they can be frustrating. But it's not my job to tell somebody that they can't say what's on their mind, how they feel. So I'm happy for Elon. I think that Elon is going to go down as one of the best people, one of the best minds our generation has ever seen and that we're going to take positive steps in the right direction that Elon Musk is really going to take this thing up a notch and you know I I didn't even like getting on Twitter I felt like Twitter was a cesspool uh, of negativity and everybody's so obsessed with themselves Um, back in the day Twitter used to be great and I mean let's make Twitter fun again you know and I hear these complaints about, you know, oh, Elon want to charge $8 to have your verified check. Some of these other features. Life ain't free, people. I mean, you can still be on Twitter for free, but if you want to keep some of the stuff and have some advanced features, you might have to pay for it. So to me, that's that's fine. That can all work itself out. So I'm happy for Elon. Twitter's going to be a better place for it. America's going to be a better place for it. Let's uh, let's see how this all unfolds, and let's take that next step together, and and just let the good times roll. And Elon Musk is one of my favorite people. Period. Uh, you know what, what he's done with Tesla. If he can do what he's done with Tesla, look what he can do with Twitter, and make that something special, and make that something unique here. Twitter needs a boost. Needs something different. Um, because the path it's on right now has not been good, and uh, you know, need some new energy of some sorts to, to get this thing going. So, I'm excited for what lies ahead, the future, and and what this means for our country. Uh, to save Twitter like that, to me, I, I'm all for it. I wish Elon nothing but the best, and and uh, I have no plans to leave Twitter anytime soon, too. You know, li- Leaving Twitter is like, you know, threatening to leave Twitter is the new, uh, I'm going to leave and move to Canada. You know what I mean? No, you're not leaving Twitter. You're not doing that. No, no, no. You're going to stay on Twitter and you're going to be a part of what's uh, what's going on in the Twitter sphere as far as I'm concerned. But um, uh, I'll say this, just how funny he is. The way that he fights back and responds directly to people out there um, is so entertaining. I might have to turn on notifications for for Elon Musk. I just might have to do that. He might get that out of me. He very well could. Um, Big thanks to Michelle Montaigne for joining us. She was awesome. Did a great job today. Also, Coach Bo as well. Thomas Bridges is here with us uh, as well. Big thanks to you, the listener, for stopping by. As always, subscribe to the show. New episodes out each and every uh, Thursday. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. Check us out. And uh, you can also check us out on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tyler Jones Live, Studio Soapbox. Just search me on those platforms. Uh, Jones underscore report on Instagram as well and uh i'll see you right back here next week uh check out the entire studio soapbox network as well the bebo boys uh raw tools luke slaybaugh coach Bo. um let's go racing with david Starr as well uh nascar championship weekend at phoenix gonna be an exciting race how about ross jastain going up around the wall like he did that was nuts I've never seen anything like that. I, I do that in video games. Maybe I, maybe Elon Musk can turn Twitter into what Ross Chastain did on Sunday. Unbelievable. We'll go, and uh, we'll see you back here next week. For Coach Bo Thomas Bridges, and Michelle Montaigne, I'm Toddler Jones, thanks so long. It's been another edition of the Jones Report. See you next week.